Hello, people. Welcome to Spoleto Backstage. You know the drill. Through the stage door to places you can't get a ticket to. You'll get to meet people that make things happen and eavesdrop on conversations with the performers when they're not on stage. I'm your tour guide, Jeanette Gwynn. This time we're headed to Emmett Robinson Theater and then up the street to Pure Theater and Wolf Street Playhouse. Victoria Hansen looks behind the curtain for Spoleto's production of Cola Family Marionettes. Henry Naylor, who may have delivered the best remarks ever for an opening ceremony, is also the writer of Borders, which receives its U.S. premiere at this year's festival. Before all that, writer and director David Lee Nelson invites us inside his real, true life and diagnosis of stage four cancer. David, I've seen your one-man show on politics. I saw the premiere of Folly Beach, which was awesome. This time, the subject is cancer. How did you get there? Uh, That's a a great question. Um, So last year, 2017, I was living in Atlanta, and um, towards the beginning of the year, I noticed that I had this pain in in my stomach and um, I went to doctors and and no one seemed to know what it was and six weeks later I was at my second emergency room in a month and a half and they did a CT scan they told me that I had a tumor in my colon (laughs) and that I had a and it turns out I had, I had stage four colon cancer, which apparently is a trend now of people in their 30s getting colon cancer, which is nice because I've always considered myself to be like progressive and forward thinking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's going down in the overall population, but in people in their 20s and 30s, it's, it's, it's going up. The day I went to the hospital, there was an article on CNN.com and NewYorkTimes.com about early onset colon cancer. And I was reading it like, whoa, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> so... I'm, I'm a writer and I've always written about my life and this was all of a sudden my life and one of my uh, good friends in Los Angeles, Nick Cobb is his name, um, he's a stand-up comic and I was like kind of telling him the stuff I was writing and he was like, well, are you going out? Are you doing it? Are you performing it? And I'm like, dude, I'm sick. I can't go out and perform. And he was like, we should write a blog or something. And so I did. I started writing a blog about my time in, in chemo and it became fairly popular and um and I turned that writing into my new show, Stages. What was the response to the blog like? The response to the blog was was so positive, and I did it for a couple of reasons. Number one, to kind of have give myself an outlet, and number two, so I, I did it so I wouldn't have to tell like my aunts and uncles and cousins what was happening every day. But then all of a sudden, people from high school started reading it. People I didn't know started reading it, and uh, the most amazing the comments that I got were people who are going through cancer who are like, man, this is so funny. Thank you for your putting this in ways that I can't. And also people who knew people going through cancer, They're like, man, my brother's going through this. And now I feel like I know more what he's going through. And that was just a really rewarding thing to hear. Stages. Mm-hmm. What do we see? Well, what I hope you see first and foremost is a great play. I mean, that's that's always my goal whenever I, I, I walk into the theater. And I, and I think Adam Knight, the director uh, who's directed uh, all my other solo shows, Elephant in My Closet and Status Update, um, I think that's what we've created here. We've created a, a story about man, me, who you know gets some unexpected news and, and has to deal with kind of life in the aftermath. And the lens I, I write through is humor from my days doing stand-up. And since this topic cancer is so tense <laughs> it longs for release and uh and and laughter and um and so it's just been a real joy to kind of tr- to kind of look at this this topic through through those eyes i want to understand how that works when you 
do a one-man show and it's just you on stage, but you wrote the show and you still have a director. How does all that happen? <laughs> uh, I think it's different for different uh, for different people. Um, Adam is is one of my very best friends. We we grew up together, so we've known each other a very long time. We have a very similar aesthetic, and, and we just really want to tell a great story. Um, so he becomes almost like uh, a dramaturg and a life coach and a, a shape. He really and and honestly, I his taste. He has such great taste, and I I kind of know if Adam likes it, then chances are it's 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 worth performing. Um, so that's number one. And how do I do it with, with the audience? I, I really look at my solo shows as, as, as a conversation with a room full of my best friends. <laughs> and I'm doing the play with them. And that we're all in this room together and we're all going to take this journey together. And it's, it's, it's my favorite way to perform. Back at Pure Theater. Mm -hmm. Why Pure Theater? Uh, well, I love Sharon Gracie at Pure. I, I love the gang at Pure. Uh, I've been the playwright in residence there for the past three or four seasons. They produced two of my other world premieres, Sudden Spontaneous Event and Folly Beach. And when this play came about, the space is so intimate. There's something so intimate about Pure Theater with the low ceilings. Um, I feel like you're really so close to the audience, and it just felt like the perfect place to tell this story. What's in the future? You're working on another show? Uh, what's in the future right now is, um, I mean, that's kind of, in a way, the question of the play. Like, what is, you know, what is the future? Uh, um, we're turning, uh, we're turning the story in, into a book. So I'm, I'm in the process of writing, um, of writing a, a book uh, based on what, what happened. Uh, touring the play, we go to Asheville, North Carolina. Immediately after this, we'll be at the North Carolina Stage Company the 14th of June through the 24th of June, and then seeing where this play goes and seeing where and seeing where 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 life goes you know before i got sick i was always so focused on what's the next thing what's the next thing uh and getting cancer it kind of it shifts those <laughs> it shifts those um goals in a way so i'm gonna write this book and kind of see what see what happens next so how else has cancer changed your life and in, in in good ways i think that's a great question uh we all know the devastation that it can cause, and 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 I always want to give weight to that. I always want to, you know, this isn't a frivolous thing we're talking about. And when I say it's a comedy about cancer, this is not a frivolous look at this disease. Um, it's just it, it's just made me feel so much closer to my family. It's made me feel um, closer to people I grew up with. Um, my aunts and uncles have been sending me cards and checks and gift certificates and um you know it's just to, to to see how the outpouring of support and love um and the time i got just the time i got to spend with my girlfriend jamie uh the time i got to spend with my mom and dad taking me down to treatment and bringing me back like that's those are valuable mo moments and um um yeah, they might not have happened without the chemo so for for that i'm really grateful so i don't want any spoilers mm -hmm. but I'm sure listeners want to know how you're doing now. Um, yeah, that's not a. Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm doing really well. The um, my treatment was at, at, at Emory, and now I'm at Hollings uh, Cancer Center here at MUSC. Um, my my the, the medicine has, has really worked. Uh, um, my scans have been really good. Um, 
I've been on chemo since April of 2017, and uh, I'm going to take a break this summer from it, which is really, really exciting. When it gets to stage four, they talk, they don't talk about uh, cure so much. They talk about con- containment. And um, so right now, things seem to be be pretty contained. We're going to, you know, contain that as long, as long as humanly possible. That's good news in spite of bad news. Yeah, really it's, nice. It's it's what life is, right? The good and the bad all together. I look forward to seeing your life on stage. Thanks yes. for coming in. Thank you. Stages, a comedy about cancer at Pure Theater through Saturday, June 9th. In addition to the high price tickets for Spoleto Festival USA, Spoleto provides education outreach so that Charleston students can experience the magic firsthand. Victoria Hansen went along for the ride, and I'm pretty sure she was just as excited as the kids. Puppets, marionettes, what up? He strolls across a creaky stage in brightly colored carpenter overalls of red and blue. His Italian accent rich, especially when he searches for a word. My name is Piero Corbella. Corbella is a puppeteer with the centuries-old Carlo Cola and Sons Marionette Company of Milan. He's in Charleston for Spoleto, and he's giving elementary school children a behind-the-scenes tour. This is a naked marionette. (laughs) He shows the kids how the marionettes are carved by hand, their eyes of glass, elaborate costumes sewn. So we begin with the socks. Ornate jewelry carefully crafted. Expensive wigs crocheted strand by strand, sometimes wrapped in curlers before a show. Yes, yes, it's a very big work. And it's all done by the team of 15 puppeteers, artisans in every sense of the word. The marionettes are moved by the strings. The company has 2,500 marionettes and 8,000 costumes for their more than 200 plays and operas. Every year, we realize uh, at least one new performance. For this performance, they unleash 300 puppet mice. The Pied Piper brought to life in a way these kids have likely never seen. No computerized special effects, but puppetry. Starting today, this is going to be our new home. They are the first example of virtual actors. Corbella calls them beautiful actors. He remembers when he first fell for the craft. Company namesake Eugenia Monticolo visited his school. He was his mentor, a friend, and more. Our father, our brother, our everything. Without him, we would not be here. Cola recently passed, and Corbella, a puppeteer for 40 years, says he must now pass down this tradition. The show must go on. So that uh, this kind of work can survive. The curtain comes down. The kids have questions. So when you're having a monument riding an animal, do you have... Several call the marionettes monuments, likely how it sounds to them with an Italian accent. But it is a monumental moment when they're invited to go backstage. You just got to watch where you're stepping, okay? Ready, ready? (laughs) 
Suddenly, they are face to face with puppet people and those who pull their strings. You see the movement of the mouth? Even their teacher is moved. This is almost like an ancient art form to them, so I don't think I've ever seen something like this, so it's, it's cool for the teachers too. It's music to Corabella's ears. Well, I hope that they could discover a world uh, that can fascinate them, something uh, maybe distant from their experience. Uh. He hopes to pull the strings on hearts and minds. I became a puppeteer uh, without thinking. <laughs> like they were pulled for him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm Victoria Hansen. Thanks for hanging out with us backstage. Thanks, Victoria. Their joy is contagious. I need a special favor. I've talked to so many people who want to listen to Spoleto Backstage, and they've never downloaded a podcast. Will you help someone like that download their very first podcast so they can listen? Angels was a hit at last year's Spoleto. The writer and actor of Angels are back this year with Borders. Truth is, this refugee story might hurt your heart, and it's probably better suited for more mature audiences. Here's playwright Henry Naylor and actor Avital Lavova. Warning, you might get woke, and I think that's what Henry wants. Henry, I want to start with you. As the playwright of Borders, you've done comedy, BBC, we worked as a satirist. How do you go from writing humor to writing something that is deep and dark about the refugee crisis? Oh, gosh, well, it's quite a long story, really. I mean, I, one of my best friends at university uh, was a war correspondent. Uh, and um, about 2001, when I was writing for uh, my... I had a radio series on, on the BBC, and when I was writing for that, I was obviously having to watch a lot of news because it was a satirical, comedy-based show. Uh, no, there's not a lot of laughs in the news or, uh, uh, when it's uh, about the war. And I was watching this one report, and... It was a guy from Kabul called, called William Reeve. He's a very posh, very there, posh Englishman. Speak like this. And he's saying, well, I don't know if you can hear. Outside, the bombs are getting much closer. And oh, they're getting very, very, very close. I don't know. That one was really close. And then the next thing that happened was the studio was blown up live on air. And the cameraman ran in front to check if the, the, the journalist was OK. And it was Phil Goodwin, my old flatmate. And I phoned up Phil and I sort of said, are you, you know, are you okay, mate? And he sort of said, yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're all fine here. And, um, and I said, look, I'm trying to write some jokes about the war. It's very difficult. Uh, you know, what's, is it very different out there, what you're seeing, from what we're seeing? And he, he sort of said, yeah, and he's told me these awful, horrific things that he'd seen out in Kabul. Uh, and anyway, I said, look, I'm trying to write some jokes about the war. Uh, and he said, well, look, just come out. And I said, I can't come to Kabul. And he said, yeah, come out to Kabul, it's fine. And I said, no, it's dangerous, isn't it? And he went, no. He said, I'll put you up, fix you up with the BBC fixers. And so I went out there and it literally changed my life because as a satirist, I just sat at my desk writing funny little jokes about what was going on in the news. But then to actually be in a war zone soon after the war seeing the victims of war, seeing kids have been blown up in landmines, walking around a refugee centre and seeing, uh, you know, kids playing on empty food tins and they had nothing to eat, uh, just living under plastic sheeting. And, and uh, 
it, it changed my life, and it, and it sort of meant that for me, I couldn't just dismiss the news with just glib little jokes all the time, and I felt I had something to say, some real connection with what was going on with the news. And it took a while for me to pluck up the courage to start writing plays, but it was kind of that the seeds were sown within me then. And particularly with the, the refugee crisis issue, I just think that we're just losing sight of the human tragedy. We're just seeing the statistics, but it's hard to put a human face on that. And I think that was the essential thing with this particular show, Borders. We wanted to show people a kind of help them connect to it emotionally beyond just statistics. And that's why I'm, I'm very lucky to be performing with um, Avital Lavova and Graham O'Mara, who are two sensational actors uh, in this show. Avital, your character in the show doesn't have a name. Tell me about her. Um, she's a young girl who lives in the city of Homs. She is an artist, not an artist by choice, but an artist uh, by ways of expression uh, because she, she lives in a society where expression is suppressed. So the way she can express herself is through painting on walls. Uh, so that's a little insight on, on, on her and how she survives. There's a second character. Yeah. Tell us a little about him. He's uh, called Sebastian Nightingale. He's a, a journalist. Uh, and he's a, an artist too. But he starts out with very high-minded principles. He starts out wanting to change the world and change it for the better. But then he has a chance meeting with Bin Laden. And only about five or six journalists ever met, uh, Western journalists ever met Bin Laden and interviewed him, and he's one of them. And after 9-11, he becomes a celebrity. And then he gradually gets corrupted by fame and gradually he loses his soul and he he's, ends up just reporting about pop stars and footballers and not about the truth of the news. And in a way, his character is kind of like, I think, I try to make it a metaphor for the West, I think, since 9-11. I think we've kind of, we've disengaged from the world and we're ostriching a bit. So when people use words like devastating and powerful to describe your play, what does that make you feel? I mean, that's that's their opinion. I mean, I have to say, it was a very stressful show to write. When we were touring the show Angel, because that was about a displaced person uh, in Kurdistan, we kept doing Q&A sessions with, with refugees around the world, and, and we did that. We met loads of people as a result uh, from that. And the common story that came out was how the West has just ignored their suffering and how, how they've ignored their plight or treated it, you know, kind of almost dismissed it. I mean, at home, uh, it's wonderful that there's been the royal wedding on, but, you know, there's still as many people dying in the Mediterranean as there were two years ago when it was on the front pages, and it's just not on the front pages anymore. We met a large group of people who were incredibly strong, incredibly brave. They, they were survivors, and yet they weren't getting the attention that they, they deserved which could have helped them, you know, we can help them. And so for me, I think the important thing is, is just trying to get it, people talking about it again. I, I mean, the thing, what I'm awful at is I can't make money, I'm rubbish at it. But I think I can write plays and I think I can write art which moves people. And so if that's my way of, of helping the crisis, then that's, that's the most effective way I can do it. And then that's what I'll do. Avital, Henry describes you as a League of Nations in one person 
What does he mean? <laughs> it's probably related to my uh, heritage and where I'm from. Um, I was born in Latvia, and my parents are Russian Jews, but I was brought up in Berlin, and now I live in London. I heard that at 14, you learned how to fire an AK-47. <laughs> yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> um, so when I was 14, my my mom's friend invited her to Abkhazia, which is a region close to Georgia. There was a big war going on a couple of years ago. And we stayed out with my mom's friends, stayed in the mountains with them a couple of days. And all of the men that, that welcomed us, they were all on the front line during the war. And then one day, one of them said, well, would you like to try and shoot a Kalashnikov? And I looked at my mom and I was like, can I? And my mom was like, yeah, why not? Like, you're in a safe space. Um, and that's what I did. What he didn't tell me is that he put it on automatic. So he put the cans on top of like a little hill and he showed me how, how to shoot, what to press, how to hold it. And I pressed it and it just started going. But I, I, I was very calm and relaxed. And my mom just went, oh my God. And, and the, my mom's friend said, see, I knew you could take it. <laughs> it was a test. It was a test in some sorts, but it was pretty, I think, I think I, I was grateful to my mom because my mom didn't say no. My mom said, yes, you can. Yes, you're a woman. There's no difference. If, if they could have done it, why couldn't you have tried or at least, I think, it just said something about my mom's thinking. <laughs> so growing up with that mom and all of those different influences, how does that inform the way you play these really tough feminist characters that Henry's writing for you? See, that's, that's the thing that I've been thinking about a lot for the last year or two. I think I don't have a choice. I grew up in a family full with strong women, um, which puts me in a very privileged position of strength and understanding and and the fact that I can live out these characters thanks to Henry's beautiful writing um, yeah I'm really grateful for um, and I think that's what we do as, as artists or as actors we find that courage and we have to share we have to share it with the audience. If a reality check is what you want, then Borders is the show for you. Here's a quick look at my picks for this weekend. Charleston Jazz is celebrating their 10th anniversary at Prohibition with free jazz every night during Piccolo Spoleto. The Celtic Art Series at the Circular Congregational Church presents Piper Cillian Valela and Fiddler Colin Farrell for innovative Irish traditional music Tuesday, June 5th at 1 and Wednesday, June 6th at 7. Charles Ross, Mr. One Man Star Wars, and Lisa Hebden tackle the greatest romantic comedy ever, One Man Pride and Prejudice, a part of Piccolo Fringe at Theater 99. The long-running Sundown Poetry Series happens in the Dock Street Theater Courtyard on Friday. Same day, Christy Riba's new exhibition, opening reception at the Corrigan Gallery on Broad Street. The Spotlight Concert Series presents the Charleston Symphony Orchestra Brass at Grace Church on Wentworth, 3 o'clock, Saturday, June 2nd. Pure Theater restages the sold-out hit Fun Home through June 9th. If you missed it the first time, here's your second chance.
Join us next time for Spoleto Backstage for the Conductors episode with John Kennedy and Lydia Yankaskova. Subscribe, review, like, and tell your friends. The producer of Spoleto Backstage is A.T. Shire. Executive producer is Sherry Hutchinson. Production assistants are Jenna Feeney, Marla Bryan, Virginia Swift, William Howell, all students in the Arts Management Program. Our intern is Clay Sears, also a student at the College of Charleston. Produced in partnership with South Carolina Public Radio, the ETV Endowment, College of Charleston, and Spoleto Festival USA. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoleto Backstage. Find us online at scpublicradio.org. And check out our podcast friend, South Carolina Lead. That's S-C-L-E-D-E, for an accurate and fun view of South Carolina politics. I'm Jeanette Quinn. See you for more behind the scenes, backstage. <laughs>